Good morning, Ember. I am picturing in my mind's eye that all of you are right here in the room with me. I see your faces in my mind's eye. Appreciate all of you turning in, watching Ember live this morning. I want to just say a quick word and let you know, Ember, that I believe uh, that what we have invested in discipling and teaching it's going to serve you very well right now. I want to tell you that you have everything you need because you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, and you know how to love well. And so I believe that we're equipped for these days. That being said, I want to encourage you to take a, a sip of your cup of coffee because I think the Word goes down well with a cup of coffee and with faith. So have a sip of coffee and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As I turn there as well, and in doing that, I want to take you back to last summer, and I heard about this journey called the Camino de Santiago, and the name was kind of catchy, so that got my attention, but it's this journey across the entire country of Spain. I think it's some 500 miles or so long, and the way you approach this journey is that you travel by foot and you travel with a, a pack that I've borrowed here this morning and that's all you can carry and you count on the people of the country to to help you along in this journey and I thought how how interesting and then I started thinking about just close to us we have the the Appalachian Trail and I don't know it may be some 2,000 miles long plus and uh, much more rustic but again it's a, a backpacking adventure and so you, you put what you can on your back and you, you set out on the journey. And I was watching some videos on YouTube about how to plan for these journeys. And almost without exception, they want to tell you what to pack and what not to pack. Because you see, when you're going on one of these journeys and everything that you're carrying is on your back, you realize that when you start this thing, you took some stuff maybe that you probably didn't need to take with you. And so your load is heavier than it really needed to be. And so people will go through on the Internet and tell you some things. Look, don't pack this. You don't need it. It's, you're going to want that, uh, that weight off your back. In fact, I was talking uh, just before the, the service here, and just a matter of ounces can make all the difference in the world. So I want to ask you today, for those of you who are listening in, is this a season maybe where God is asking us that it's time to lighten our load. That we have taken on some things that are really too heavy for us. And God would ask us, child, maybe you should just lighten your load a little bit. And so that's the message that I want to bring to you today. And I'm thinking as we start out on this journey of life, this pilgrimage of life, that when we start off, we, we don't have a lot of weight. I look at children all the time, and I love the fact that, that kids can be playful and they laugh so much. If you take care of their basic needs, they're generally very content, and they play with one another. And So our, our loads aren't very heavy to begin with, uh, but along the way, as a child grows, his wanter grows. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about when your wanter grows, when you want more and more things but along the way you know as parents we we want to bless our kids and so we talk about I hear parents say all the time I want my children to have more than I have I want them to have it 
better than I had it. And so oftentimes we begin to provide our kids with these things that maybe we didn't have in life, and, and our wanter comes alive. And we begin to want more and more things. And eventually parents wise up to it as the kids become maybe teenagers. And that's when you have that little sit-down conversation with your teenager and you say, you know, there's some things I'm going to provide for you, but I know you want more. And so you're going to get a J-O-B. You're going to get a job. And you're going to pay for your own wants. And it seems like that's where we begin this accumulation phase of our life, where we begin to accumulate stuff. It seems like it's always the, the newest thing. we got to have it. It's the, the bigger thing, got to have it. The better thing, we've got to have it. More things, we, we got to have it. And Scripture talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. I, I hope you're there. I'm going to begin in verse 19. It says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Then verse 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then you go on down just a little bit more to verse 24, and it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Some of your Bibles have a word called mammon right there. And, and what it's talking about is when things become idols, they become gods, and we begin to put them above God. So sometimes we put in our pack that we're carrying on life, we put in stuff earthly treasures, earthly wealth, but we accumulate so much that something else begins to happen. You see, along the way, we're not just picking up stuff, things, where we're also taking on and packing on responsibilities. You know, when you have children very young, you're thinking about what is the right chore to give them at the right age of life because we want to make sure that our kids grow up and be responsible. And so then we, they have chores that we put on them, and then... Uh, they go to school and they have responsibilities at school and maybe responsibility with coaches and that first boss, they have responsibilities. And then, of course, for some of us, we got married. And now we have the responsibility of someone else in our life. It's not just us anymore. And then we decide that we want to have kids. And oh, if you've ever had kids, you know that the responsibility grows exponentially. And we pack on all kind of things when we, we have children. Brantley and I only have one because God knew we weren't qualified to carry any more, apparently. I know some of you have a lot, and I've heard that after two, it gets easier. I, I don't know. Uh, but, but we pack on these responsibilities, and then watch this. Something else happens. Along the way, there are some people in your life and they're not handling their responsibilities. Mm. So what do you do then? If you're not careful, what you'll do is you'll look at the person who's not handling their responsibilities. And because you love them, right? It was, it was out of this, this sense of love. You, you do something that maybe is not so smart. You, you pack on their responsibility. You take on 
their load for them and try to pick up what they're, they're not doing. And so now, along with that, maybe you've tacked on their problems and their drama and their emotions. And all of a sudden, you see this thing, it's, it's actually starting to, to fill up quite quickly. But we're not done because you continue to go through life and we've packed on some stuff. We've packed on some responsibility. And with that, we pack on some worry. And I think that's what we're being told here in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what it says. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. But you see, when you take on stuff and you take on responsibility, it can be very easy to fall in the trap of taking on this worries of life. And so when we begin to, to worry, we start to, to think about how in the world are we going to guard our stuff and how are we going to maintain our stuff and pay for our stuff. And we begin to worry about our spouse and we worry when we lose our job, will God provide something else? And we worry at night until our kids come home and yet God says, I know your needs, and I don't want you to worry, because when you worry, you're, you're packing on unnecessary weight, but we're not done, we, we keep packing, sometimes we pack on regret, hmm, does anybody have any of those? When you, when you walk through this journey of life, when you pilgrimage through it, if you're not careful, you will pack on some regret. And regret usually comes in two forms. It's the things you wish you hadn't done and the things you wish you had done. And so you can mix those things throughout your life. You know, it sounds something like this. Man, I wish I had graduated high school. I wish I had received my GED. I wish I had got a major in college that you could actually get a job with. <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't started dating so early. I wish I would have waited until I got married. I, I wish I hadn't bought that thing because now i got to try to pay for it. And so we, we load up on regrets. And huh, we'll pause for just a moment right here because this one can add on an, an incredible amount of weight. It's when we pack on hurt. Because I'll tell you, when you're, when you're pilgrimaging through life, it is hard to navigate life without getting hurt. And the reason for that is because hurt comes at us from other people. And we don't get to control often what other people are doing. And, and so people hurt us. And they hurt us in some ways like this. They, they tell lies on us. They, they don't fulfill their promises and their commitments, and so they let us down. Maybe they, they do some things that are incredibly uh, harmful and hurtful to us. And, and so those hurts are there. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that if people walking through life who are picking up these hurts, if they do not have Christians in their life who know the Word of God, then you will pack on with those hurts some other things. You pack on things like bitterness. You pack on things like 
unforgiveness. You, you pack on things like disappointment and mistrust. You ever heard someone say, I'll never trust another man. I'll never trust another woman. And it's because of these hurts. You, you see, you can't undo those things, right? You, you can't undo the hurt and you can't unsay what was said to you. And if we don't have people to help us navigate through, we, we pack on these things related to hurt. And so for each of us, as we navigate through life, and if we're not careful, we're putting on all those things. If we are not careful, we end up looking like the picture that I hope we're going to be able to put up on the, the screen for you. And if you see that picture, that is what our lives look like sometimes. If you're seeing that now, I have no idea what is on there, but it looks like a whole lot of stuff, and there's a whole lot of people. See, that's your family up there, that's your kids, that's your co-workers, and we're carrying all those things, and we are weighted down in life. And so I want to tell you one more time, I believe we're in a season where God is saying to us, child, it's time to lighten your load. And one of the things that I want to tell you that maybe you don't realize, maybe you're not even considering it, is that you get to decide what you put in your pack. Don't let anybody tell you that, that this stuff is there because it has to be there. It's not. We don't, we don't have to have so much stuff. We don't have to pack on worry and regrets. We can lay those at the foot of Jesus. We can walk through hurts and not come out of life mistrusting everyone around us we get to decide what we pack. And so because of that, and because of the challenge that I'm issuing to you today, is that I believe we need to lighten our loads. I know that there is somebody that is listening that says, I sure hope you're going to tell me how to do that. And I absolutely want to tell you how to do that. I want to take you back to, as you see back behind me, the series that we're on called The Basics. This is some basic stuff that the early church used to do, they owned these disciplines of the faith. And I, I think we lost them along the way. I think we, we grabbed up the American dream and we lost the basics of our spiritual foundations. And I want to take you back to some basics. One of the first ones I want to take you to, by the way, I'm going to give you four. They all begin in S's. That ought to be fairly easy to remember. There's four S's to how to lighten your load. The first one is this. We have to return to some simplicity in our life. Yeah, I'm going to say that one more time. Simplicity. We have to simplify our life. Listen to this. This is a, uh, Ecclesiastes 7.30. I, I don't think I gave the folks the slide to this one. It says, God made man upright. But if you look at that word, uh, uh, that, that word upright, it, it, it can mean this. God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own doing. Man, that's good enough. I'm going to read it one more time. Ecclesiastes 7.30, God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own doing. That tells me that if I did it, God can help me undo it. And so I want to go back and I want to look and I want to say to myself, are there things in my life, are there possessions that are weighing me down? 
unnecessarily. I'm here to tell you, I'm not preaching against wealth this morning. I'm not preaching against having stuff. What I'm telling you is, you should only carry as much stuff as you can handle. And you know when you can't handle something. And you need to make a tough decision that you may need to lighten the load. We may need to lighten the load of our schedules. I got to tell you, America, we are so busy that I imagine it's going to take us a little while to figure out how to not be so busy. And so we may need to unpack our schedule to undo some things. I tell you what breaks my heart as a pastor is that I see good Christians who really want to serve the Lord fall into this trap, which is loading up your schedule with work and with family and with extracurricular activities. And who knows what? And the only place you can find margin is that when you are overwhelmed, you skip the very things that you need in life. How many times have we skipped our time with the Lord because we were too doggone busy? We had to go and get out the door and get going with the stuff that we had to do that week. How many times have I seen Christians use Sundays, this precious time where we're supposed to be able to gather with other believers and encourage one another? How many times have I seen Christians use Sunday as the day to get done what they couldn't get done the first part of the week? And I'm telling you, we got to lighten our load. But in doing so, we got to know what to pack and what not to. And so I want to draw your attention to Jesus because I believe that Jesus walked with the simplicity of life, and it starts internally. I believe you see it in Jesus internally, and it makes its way out into the way He lives life. He has a three-year assignment to save the world. Three years to save the world. And what does He do? He tells people, He said, I came down here to this earth not to do my will, but to do the will of the One who sent me, my Father. And so you watch Jesus moving with a simplicity. It reminds me of our verses that we still have open in Matthew chapter 6. It is verse 33. It says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so I would say this. We have to be like Jesus. We're the very center of our life. It's the Father, the very center of our life. We're grounded in Him. And then you look around you at the other things and see, are they helping or are they hurting? And if they're hurting, we need to make some tough decisions to unpack, to get rid of some things that are holding us back, to clear our schedules. I want to move on to the, to the second and the third S. I'm going to put them together because I don't know that you can separate them. These two are this, solitude and silence. And again, I want to take you back to Jesus. How is it that in three years, Jesus can stick with the task that was given to him and not get off track? You notice in Scripture when you're reading, people are wanting him to do things and they're wanting him to do them out of season, out of turn. How does he know how to not listen to the chatter? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
There's, there's chatter everywhere of people giving us advice of how we're supposed to live life and how we're supposed to raise our kids and, and what we're supposed to do. And, and then there's all this pressure. There's people that were pressuring Jesus all the time to, to do things and go here and don't leave. How is it that this man, Jesus, can follow the will of the Father Look at this. we got to travel over to Luke chapter 5. I want to ask you to, to turn there. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I believe this is one of the keys to life. It says, But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness, and he would pray. He would slip away. i got to tell you, if you're going to implement solitude and silence in your life, you're going to have to slip away, which means you can't tell a lot of people. Because when they knew that Jesus slipped away, you know what they do? They go find Him. And if you're not careful, work's going to come find you. I bet if you take your cell phone with you, somebody's going to call you or text you. And so you're going to have to slip away into this thing called solitude. And and. I think about Jesus, how many times he, he slipped away. I'm going to try to do a few of those off by memory if I can. And you follow along with me and see if I missed any. But Jesus goes into the wilderness before he starts his ministry. Jesus gets alone in solitude before he chooses the 12 disciples that he's going to pour his life into. Jesus gets alone after a traumatic, heartbreaking moment of his life when John the Baptist is killed he gets alone in solitude he gets alone in solitude after two times of great healings where revival is breaking out and you think that's the time when God's moving that you gotta just keep at it Jesus slips away from them all leaves them all gets along with God I would tell you that sometimes in the busiest movements of life in the busiest movements of God, God's people still have to get along with Him. We can't do without Him. I'll keep going. Uh, you remember the 5,000? He, he slips away, but they come find Him. And He feeds them, and then He slips away again. He slips away at the Mount of Transfiguration. He slips away right before the cross to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. i got to tell you, I believe if the Son of God had to get away, and here, the Father, I believe we got to get away too. And so I want to encourage you that we have, almost by command, instructions to be in solitude. And I want to tell you, don't miss this golden opportunity that's right in front of you to get along with God, to meditate on His Word, to pray about what is going on in the world and in your life and in your family, and to do this to listen that's where silence comes in so many times we over talk it and i believe that the reason that we over talk is because when we hear the word solitude we think about emptiness i don't know how many of you when you think about getting alone it absolutely frightens you how many of you when you are driving in the car you got to have a radio on how many of you when you're at home doing something, you've got to have the, the television on. That if you have a little moment, you might take that time and actually do what? Binge watch on some Netflix. Why is that? I venture to say it's because we're actually scared to be alone with ourselves. 
We, we are scared of the silence. But I'll tell you that if you will be brave enough to enter into that silence, you will find something that those who never enter in never find, and that is that solitude doesn't create emptiness. It actually fills you. You see, Jesus didn't go out into the wilderness because he needed to get empty. He needed to fill up on God. He needed to lighten the pack of the world. And he needed to hear from the Father. And I want to encourage you during this time to do that exact same thing. The, the fourth S is this. Now hold on with me because I know many of you are saying, Now Kevin, I'm a New Testament believer. I don't know why you're talking about this. But I want to remind you of something called a Sabbath. And when you hear that, many people say, well, Kevin, I'm a New Testament believer. I don't, I don't believe in the, the Sabbath. And I would say we've probably done one or two things. you got some people who keep the Sabbath and they do it in such a way that when everybody else looks, they don't want any part of it. They're like, that is brutal and it's legalistic and it's just, ugh. And we don't want anything to do with it. But then, but then over here, we've got an entire group of, of Christians in the world today that we have completely disregarded this thing called Sabbath. So, so what is it? Sabbath is rest. <laughs> you need rest. We, we all need rest. And to make sure that we have the right perspective on it, Jesus did this. He'd actually go on the Sabbath and heal some people. And he did it just to mess with the religious leaders because they held to things so tightly that it was suffocating and it was killing people. Jesus breaks that hold on Sabbath and he says this. I have to get my mind right because I always say it backwards if I'm not careful. But here's what he said. He said, man was not made for the Sabbath. But Sabbath was made for man. You see, he's putting it in the, the right perspective. And then if I, I take you all the way back, when God completed the work of creation, what does He say? He said, it's done, it's finished, it's time to rest. And then if I were to take you over to Deuteronomy chapter 5, you might look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 and see those, those ten commandments there. And now we know as, as spirit-filled believers that we... We do these things because Christ lives in us. I hope nobody has to tell you not to murder. I, I hope it's in your heart that you just respect life and, and value life that you're life-giving. So I don't know why we, we left these times that we set aside for rest because I actually believe our bodies were, were made to, to need it. And so in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, we find these commandments being passed down and there's an awful lot of attention given to the Sabbath, a lot of verses given to the Sabbath. And I want you to listen to what it says. He says, observe the Sabbath. I'm in Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Holy, remember, means whole, perfect, as the Lord your God commanded you. And here's what he said. On this day, I need you to not only not do work yourself, but I need to make sure that you let your servants rest. Now see, for most of the time that the Bible was written, 80 some odd percent of the people are not free. They're servants and they're slaves and they're, 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 they're working to pay off debt. And so much of the world is, is actually serving. The only people who got to rest were, were people who were free and had a lot of money. 
And, and so the average person never got to rest. The average person worked their entire life until they died. And so God does something. <laughs> I love this. He, he brings everybody together. It's like one family. And he says, not only are you going to rest, but you're going to let your animals rest too. You, you're going you're gonna to let your servants rest. You're going to let the people who work under you, you're going to let them rest too. We're all, we're all resting. And he, he goes on and he says this in verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. <laughs> Those Jewish people were in slavery to Pharaoh who would not let them go. You remember they told Pharaoh, Moses said, let my people go out that they might worship God. And Pharaoh said, no. And so God delivered them. I wonder if Pharaoh is not a picture today of Satan and that we are not a people who have put ourselves into bondage over some of the craziest things. I, I, I wrote some things down. How many people listening today might find that you are under the bondage of other people's opinion of you? That much of your life is spent trying to control what people think about you. And that's why you you talk and you re-image yourself and, and why you buy the things that you buy. You see, part of simplicity is you don't buy things out of status. This comes from a, a book called Richard Foster. It just came to my mind. And Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of the Disciplines. Wonderful book. And he said that you should never buy something in order to improve your status. You should buy things because you need them because they're useful. And, and so how many times are we, like the people of Israel, we're in bondage to the opinion of others, that we are in bondage to work, that we are workaholics, that there are some people listening, that you're doing all you can to stay connected to us right now because there's things you think you need to do around the house. There's things you think you need to complete that you didn't get done the, the rest of the week. Americans, we are workaholics. And how many times are we in bondage to, to money and how many times are we in bondage to a lifestyle that does not have Christ at the center? And so because of that, God would say, I believe to us, maybe you need to rest. And, and for me, Sabbath is not something that we, we legalize. I believe for me it is a, a reminder. And a, a pastor reminded me of this about two weeks ago, uh, that, that we need times of rest. Here's, here's how they did it. And it changes your whole perspective when you hear it. They stopped. They rest. They delight in God. They delight in their family. They delight in play. And, and here's something I've picked up on that I, I did not know until recently. I love studying the, the Jewish culture because I learned so many things from it. And I'm, I'm just a novice at it, but I, but I enjoy it. But the Jews said on the Sabbath, except for Yom Kippur, they said, on the day of the Sabbath, you don't fast and you don't mourn. <laughs> Isn't that something? You don't fast and you don't mourn. Because the Sabbath wasn't a day for fasting and it wasn't a day for mourning. It was a day of celebration. It was supposed to be like a, like a marriage celebration. It was God's people 
spending time with God alone, with people that they love. Now, I got to ask you, and I'm going to look straight into the camera on this one. Don't we need that? Like, don't we need time to just stop and rest and spend some good quality time with our family in the presence of the Lord? Because I tell you what, as humans, we have limits. Uh, a guy named Pete Scazzaro, a pastor I found right before we started planting ember, he wrote about some spiritual disciplines and how to be uh, um, emotionally healthy. And, and he writes about the Sabbath and he writes about limits. And he reminds us of this, that we are limited in how much we can carry. We are limited by the number of days in a year the number of hours in a day. We're numbered uh, by the amount of things that we can carry in our mind. My son, Caden, reminds me all the time. He says, Dad, you are the worst multitasker on earth. I said, you're right. I don't even try to multitask. Don't like it. Don't want to do it. I understand that I have some limits. And, and I believe we all need to. And so I want to close with some statistics that... Pete Scazzaro shared, and I wrote them down. I just jotted them down because I thought that you needed. I thought you needed to to hear them and be aware of them. Just real quick, the American Psychological Association they did a report on people who were not diagnosed with diseases or or with mental health issues, and and of that group, here is what they found out: that America is stressed. In fact, we're more stressed than we've ever been at any other time in our life that almost 50% of the people have trouble sleeping. 46% of Americans are angry and irritable. 45% of us are fatigued. 40% of us lack energy and motivation. 37% are depressed and sad. 33% have headaches and stomach issues. And now we are finding that this is making its way into our kids. And now as parents, we're finding out that this lifestyle we've been living, oh yeah, it's affecting our kids too. And so I believe that Jesus is saying to us as I close today, Satan, time you let my people go. It, it's time you... You let my people go free. And children, you got to lighten your load. It's your pack. And you get to decide what is in it. And so I believe that this is a season in our life that we have to unpack some unnecessary things. And I will close today with one scripture and then a scripture that was given to me this morning that was right on track. The scripture that I had for you is Hebrews 12, verse 1. Here's what it says. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then back to Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. And as I read this, I want to leave you with this thought of spending today thinking, how can I make life simple? How can I 
carve out time to spend alone with God in silence and solitude? How can I find time to just rest and delight in God and in my family and do that work while we have the time? And then I leave you with this verse, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ember and our friends, the word today is this. Child, I think it's time you lighten your load. God bless you.